preachers at the church like to say, we ain't gonna take long, but we're going to take our time. We'll talk about all the TV, movies, and music that define our everyday blackness. Welcome to the Black Card Podcast. What's going on, everybody? This your boy, Bird, coming to you with another episode of the Black Card Podcast. Man, we have a very special episode for y'all today, man. I got two of my guys in here, man. First, we're going to start off with the new engineer, Reggie J.O. But outside of that, my guy, it's my main man. I'm going to let you introduce yourself. I ain't going to talk about it no more. Tell the people who you are and about you. I mean, I was looking for that drink champs intro. <laughs> but, uh, nah, man, my name's uh, Jay West, if you know me. Uh, super father, very opinionated on music, love culture. I'm ready to do this and put something on our stamp and stable as far as our brand. So, let's go. Before we get started, in my mind, we have to give shout-outs to Charlemagne and the big move that he just made. Starting Black Podcast Network is so dope in my mind. Because if you think about it, in my opinion, radio is dead. I can't tell you the last time I listened to the radio. Just to be honest, I listen to podcasts all day, every day. But for him to start a black podcast network where he's bringing in podcasts of all kinds, entertainment with 85 South. Then you got your music with Nori and Drink Champs. Then you got your super adult entertainment with Horrible Decisions. The thing is, you have so many different, I mean, so many different pods under this one umbrella. And for him to have the foresight to understand not only radio is kind of fading away the same way Blockbuster faded away and Netflix came in, for him to understand that, hey, I have a position and a situation. Because I've been a big fan of the Brilliant Idiots, you know, with him and Andrew Schultz. And I'm a patreon of flavoring two podcast for him to have a foresight to be like you know what i need to do something where people like me at least have a chance because i always think about this the read is one of my kind of favorite podcasts like it's in my top five and we have kid fury from miami and crystal from oklahoma right now true enough they live in new york but it's the fact that they can come from these seemingly nothing southern nobodies quote unquote nobodies i'm not calling them nobodies I got you. but to just because they're given the chance and the opportunity to be heard mm-hmm. and their opinions are well thought out well put together they stand firmly in what they believe in cuz somebody like me i'm looking at it like they they hit on some topics that me as a straight male i'm kind of not their demographic per se but they still stand for so much and they stand in it so strong. It's it's cool and it's dope to to hear them week after week do that. And you gotta respect the pioneers. You gotta respect the pioneer that does it first. Like Combat Jack, you know, with loudspeakers. Man. Like spoke something. Is man, you, you gotta respect that. Well, I think a lot of people still do not understand black is culture. Mm-hmm. And when I say that, I mean, like, it's not about what people feel. It's what you know. For every year that comes in, being a black person to its entirety and identity, it's been stolen, it's been raped, 
And now when we have a voice and it's ours by itself, we are doing something to make sure that we recreate for every dominance to make sure that we are who we're supposed to be. So when it's taken, we're 10 steps ahead. And that's the perfect part about being black. So no matter what we do in this culture and what we do in lines, it's never a thin line for us. It's only for the people who want to rape it from us. And that's why I'm so comfortable with what we're doing right now and what we're trying to build as far as the establishment because we are building characters daily today as a father, as a man, as a small town, as a person that knows exactly what we're supposed to do. I am happy and I can smile every day. I heard this one time, and it may have been Joe Budden, cause I, and I don't want to not say Joe Budden, but Joe Budden and his fans and what he does and what he stands for, you got to respect his perspective of integrity. Mm-hmm. He understands that our culture is currency. Because this is what I like to do sometimes. I like to look at a situation not from how it's given to me. Mm-hmm. Let me take a step back and look at it. So, for example... Some of the top movies we've like the black movies that we're given, mm-hmm. we're given the help, we're given Twelve Years a Slave, we're given all these struggle movies or whatever. The first time they let somebody, they let a black man go out here and do what he want to do, they let Jordan Peele make Get Out, that bitch number one, ninety nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So it's like if you ever give us a chance to do us, matter of fact, Black Panther. Give a black superhero, mm-hmm. not a superhero because he's black and give him all these black shit. But no, we're going to be a superhero and he's going to be black. What we do, turn around and make it a, their first billion dollar movie. The only thing that came after that, Thor Ragnarok came after that shit, mm-hmm. didn't do as good as Black Panther. Infinity War did, but that's only because we had fucking six, seven, eight years to grow with the characters. But Black Panther... You remember, you couldn't even, if you didn't get your ticket the day they came out, you weren't going to get it. That's because black people were so excited to just prove that, hey, we don't have to have just these stereotypical black things. We can be black people and do super things. And that's what I feel like has to be exposed and people need to understand. You got to kind of step back and look at, hey, Black people are dope. Our culture is currency. Let me give you a short history lesson before we even start on anything. And we speak about Black Panther. That's why it's so powerful. Um, do people really realize that when it came up to Chadwick, that it was him and the actual director who came up with the idea of them speaking in the lingo of being African? Mm-hmm. Ryan Coogler. Yeah. Because they first tried to make it where it was just like a, just use an American, you know, language so people could understand. But they were like, you know, we're speaking about Africa. So if we're going to do something about Africa, we're going to give 100% of the things about Africa. And that was powerful. I mean, if you look at the people that were representations, like, you know, with the chips in their lips, mm-hmm. with the things done to their eyes, mm-hmm. uh just, just the heroic mannerisms. Mm-hmm. It was all African. And then they took everything that they built from another cultural example of Africans. What they were trying to do was take every piece of things that came from Africa and make Wakanda. Mm-hmm. We know that Wakanda is a creative space. Right. But what was even awesome about it, Wakanda was not supposed to be found anyway. So for the fact that they did that, 
and they gave black people something to look forward to. Was beautiful, man. And you know what? I never even thought about it like this until we just we're just talking about it, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking about it. I feel as though Wakanda embodies a lot of how we see ourselves. Because what was the one thing about? And I'm not going to ask you. I'm just going to tell you right. the overarching thing about Wakanda. Mm-hmm. Wakandans knew how powerful they were. Right. But they decided, hey, it's important that we keep this to ourselves. It's, it's going to be difficult for us if we be ourselves, if we let everybody in, because now we have to worry about invaders. We have to worry about other people coming in. We have to worry about defending what's ours. If you want to think about it, vibranium can be to the black culture. Mm-hmm. So, because what's the, the one thing that pisses black folks off is cultural appropriation. Because that is our vibranium. That is the one material, the one item, the one element that we understand. Not only that we created, we understand. If when they talk about dreadlocks, we understand the time, the patience, the talent it takes to make just clean, smooth dreadlocks that only we can make. Well, you made us feel bad for having nappy hair, quote unquote. Exactly. Then we turn around, other this other race. They wear dreads on the runway, and they're all in Variety magazine. And all of a sudden, that's the new hot, trendy, edgy thing. And we looking like, ain't this about a bitch? Right, 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 right. It's it's literally insulting. So I feel like unknowingly or subconsciously, we were so identifying with the whole Wakanda situation. We understand what it's almost like to have so much power but scared to use it or scared to show it or not really sure how to move around with this power. The most powerful thing that a lot of folks don't realize is Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, before he went to D.C., gave us as black people something to look forward to. Mm -hmm. Um, That is something that I feel like in heart that is scary to see white people do, but the fact that they did it, very notable. Right. You know what I mean? Both of these guys passed away, and my daughters, I have three daughters, all here natural. It makes me feel so proud. You know, God bless with Chadwick and all that, but what I will say is that this movie really captured everything to make them feel comfortable in identification. Right. You don't have that as a black source in life, period. So the fact that we have that, I'm I'm just like you know, um, I, I I think I take it different in heart where I'm just like God bless the strength that he carried. When I dropped the tear, it was more so for the fact that my child feeling secure, right? You know, wearing an afro made her feel like it's okay. You know, watching and seeing things that was just black that was not a confusion to her anymore. Man, I, I'm I'm humbled to see what we're doing as black guys today. And I know that we will continue to have this in growth. Right. I don't. We don't want to go. We can spill on and all on. Day, all day. And it li- they all just started to say shout out to Charlemagne. I really hope it grows and be more than what you could ever dream. Because let me tell you, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm tangent one more time. But Chico Bean said something <laughs> one time, and I gotta say it on this small platform that I have because it was so insightful and I just want everybody to hear it. I'll never forget that Chico Bean was asked 
like basically like where the 85 South show and what they're doing. Like, is, is he like, has he obtained his dreams? Mm-hmm. And he made a statement to the, to the extent of, I don't dream. And when he first said it, I was like, what the fuck is this nigga talking about? Like I said, this nigga about to get on some shit that I ain't fucking and with. And was that yeah, <laughs> But he said, let me tell you why I don't dream. He said, because if you was to ask me two, three, four, five years ago what my dream was, mm-hmm. he was like, my dream would be to do comedy at a packed out comedy show. Right. He said, at that point in time, my imagination wouldn't even take me to the things that I'm doing right now. He said, I'm doing a podcast with my friends in this packed out arena, like not arena, but this this yeah. this theater. Right. He said, at that time, my imagination couldn't even take me there. So as soon as he said that, I was like, damn, it's so important that you almost don't dream because a dream is almost like a glass ceiling. So for example, this podcast, this is what we're doing right now. I don't want to. I don't I don't want to put a limit to myself like, hey, I think it'd be fine if we have a thousand listeners. I don't think it'd be fine if we have 20. Because I don't know what opportunities may come for me. This may be the springboard to be something that we can't even imagine right now. Right. And, and I, I got to say this here because I want everybody to kind of think of it like, don't dream in the best way I can say. Don't dream. Just take advantage of every opportunity because maybe what's promised for you by the great Lord is not even in your imagination right now. We actually are on music, Southern yeah, music. But that was a, a huge like railroad tangent kind of situation we went on. But so my man Jay here, he is as deep rooted in music as I am. I want to start off by asking you like, so Jay, like, I had a question come up to me about who do I feel like are relevant artists right now. So I thought that was a good question to ask you. Like who, not only who are like, let's say your top three relevant artists, but before we get into who they are, how would you describe relevancy for an artist? Well, we had the discussion before. What I feel like when it comes up to relevancy is uh, an artist that can get anybody's conversation going, personalities that are really picked up by just presentation. I feel like there is no exact right or wrong, but when you start really listening to them, it's a rhythm. Mm-hmm. It's a, you know, it's a cadence. It's, it's everything that you feel like they're supposed to be wrong, but you got that that person that you, like, you know, you look at that corner, you're like, why are you listening to that? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you just like, how is this working for you? Uh, you know, like, you, it, it's a characteristic thing to me, you know. Right. Um, so if you were talking about relevant artists, who is, like, one of the, like, one of your top three that would you say is a relevant artist right now? Well, 42 Doug. Mm. Mm. Okay. Tough. Okay. Tough. He got a hard verse out there now. Tough. It's not even just that. It's just the way he's being pushed. He has a he doesn't have a machine as a label, mm-hmm. but man, that man has the right people involved with him. He has Gotti. He has, you know, a little baby. Um, these right people that are involved with him, they are helping him in at least a position where he can be heard the right way. Uh, my nephew, who's 12 years old, kind of gets him, kind of don't, but knows the song. My mom, she knows the song. 
My mom is, if she hears it, she knows how to hum it. A lot of niggas getting mad because I made it. And I look at her and I'm like, you know, I remember when I was a kid, she would do the same thing with cash money songs and all that kind of stuff. But this guy really has a good harmony, good cadence. Uh, lyrically, things can always be built. But right. right now, what he's doing is he's building enough substance to be at least recognized. Right. And I think when it comes even from Detroit, He's one of the hardest people coming out other than Bowley James, but he's not there yet. That's why right. I use 42 Doug. Right. I feel that. I don't have a problem with 42 Doug. Like, I, I think he has a certain level of star power in him where if you even think about it, like, um, uh, my dog, like Vic, you know, that shit. He had that infamous line. Exactly. So, yeah. if, if you. He made, yeah, he made Jock feel some type of way. But the thing is, I feel like there's a certain talent in understanding or not even understanding, but recognizing opportunity. True. Like, he's like, all right, I'm on this shit with Baby. Mm-hmm. So, let me goddamn make sure I drop some dope shit. Right. Like, you, hey, sometimes, man, the window opportunity only opens once. Well, the great song, mm-hmm. uh, but they did the deluxe. You had the great song already that was on, you know, Lil Baby's album. Mm-hmm. But when he had a chance to do it twice, like, you know, with the second song, mm-hmm. He made sure people knew his voice was heard. Right. Now, if you come to me, I think my number one. Now, I'm going to go a little bit more mainstream. But my first one, not number one, Young Dolph. Okay. Boy, that boy Dolph. Right. That boy Dolph is fire. And he's fire in a different kind of way. Mm-hmm. Because this is going to be an awkward comparison initially, but just roll with me. Dolph, to me, is kind of like Joe Budden. And let me tell you why I make that comparison. Dolph has a very, very loyal fan base. base. If you fuck with Dolph, you fuck with Dolph. When Dolph dropped, like what's the new Rich Slave? Yeah. When Dolph dropped, they be the ones that be like, shit, nigga, you heard that, Dolph? Yeah. And Dolph I gotta fuck with him because everything that he says, the way he moves, his whole story, his whole rapping, you feel it, is very authentic. Is very and you know, and we put a lot of stake in being authentic right. in, in the music game. Depends on who you are or whatever. But what and, you speak on exactly, and for him in particular, it is very important that he lets you know how authentic he is. So, like, in Rich Slave, he has those interludes with, I think it's like his uncle. Mm. And he's just on the phone with him. And he's telling Dolph about Dolph Daddy. And he's like, shit, boy, I remember your daddy used to wear them, them yeah. you know, them sons, son, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And they having, the conversation that they having, this is why I, I think you can kind of relate to Dolph or you can kind of feel Dolph so much is because, I'm listening to him have this conversation with this older gentleman about his daddy. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of the talks that I had with me and my uncles. I'm from Huntsville, but my folks from Dixon Mills, Alabama. Right. So when my, when I talk to my uncles and they tell about shit, boy, your, bad, your daddy back in the day used to have that goddamn smooth fro. You know what I'm saying? Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Or they used to say, like, boy, he got this slick bag, you know, yeah, without yeah. that way. He the only person I know brush his head to the back. You know, all that wild shit. I'm listening to it, but I feel so at home. Right. It's comfortable. And Dolph 
understands that my fans, my true fans, my fan base will not only listen, but appreciate this. Cause that's what it is. It's an interlude, but it's an appreciation that you, you added that. Cause now I feel more connected to Dolph as a person. Yeah. As an artist. As a person. Yeah. I will say that. That's why I said like, man, just it's, it's things with Dolph where it's relatable. If you haven't done it, you've seen it. Mm-hmm. Everybody don't know the major crack dealers. Mm-hmm. Everybody don't know, you know, the drug lords in your neighborhood and all that. But everybody know the weed, man. Yeah. And everybody know that one guy that got busted. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, his stories luckily weren't, you know, of course, done like that. But everybody knows, like, that, that guy. You know what right. I mean? Like, we grow with different peers and, and, and things that we've seen every day and, 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 and grown to know things. But when it comes up to him, it's like, he ain't nothing but the homeboy from the dorm, you know, that was on one. He was the guy that wasn't on the dorm that you see down the street that would always look out for the partners. And he would just grow. Uh, Well, my two, King Bond. One of the best in his times being a storyteller. Uh, you listen to him to his entirety, clarity. I think everybody can get it. It doesn't matter what age you are. You could be my age. You could be 12. You could be five. Right. What he speaks on, it's not necessarily what you're dealing with. It's you can really get it. And you can feel like you're watching a movie. He's literally a speaking movie. When you listen to the stories of, you know, a song he has with Dirt, mm-hmm. or... I think uh, it's Crazy Story 2 yeah, Remix. Crazy, yeah, Crazy Story 1, Crazy Story 2, Crazy Story 3. Right. The song he has with, uh, what's, G Herbo. Look, I'm going to say this, though. For every song that he jumps on, you get a visual, an idea where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. And it's not so much as that you're looking at him, like, what he's doing, literally every day, it's... Who can really break down details like that other than Nas mm-hmm. where you feel like I'm really watching this? So his videos make sense with his songs. So I got to give it to you because King Von, like, he has birds super, like, super cosign. I mean, it ain't worth shit, but I got my super <laughs> cosign. It's two things that I really like about him, like, that stick out more than anything. Mm-hmm. One is, like you said, his vivid storytelling. Not only does he, like, describe situations, he walks you through the situation because if you watch his videos, he walks you through a situation from, like, let's say, he'll start off with, let's say, him doing a crime, getting bammed up. His second verse would be him in jail. His third verse would be him him with just getting out. And now you're like... Before you know it, you listen to three minutes of the song and you watching this thing like a movie. You like, damn. So now that you know you just got out, that's the dude that snitched on you. What you right. gonna do? And you just like, if it ends, you feel like you're on a cliffhanger. So that's how it is. Like with crazy story, you know, you're just kind of like following along with the story. What it, what it reminds me of, which is I I've always thought this was like the greatest thing in music, and he's kind of taboo to bring up, but. Kelly Price and R. Kelly, friend of mine, was first. Ron Isley. You telling your age now, bro. But anyway, whatever. There's a three-part song and video correlation between Kelly Price, R. Kelly, and Ronald Isley. Because Contagious was a follow-on. Was it like 10? Because because R. Kelly, 
Yeah, R. Kelly yeah, was yeah. cheating. It was a friend of mine because R. Yeah. Kelly was cheating on Kelly Price yeah. in that because Ron Isley had some words with him then. Right. And then you follow back up in Contagious. But I think down low he might have had something in there. But you follow up in Contagious where that's where that part was like, well, well, I think I know you, brother, yeah. very well. Nah, nah, you was taking me from somebody else, and like that part is because you have to understand that that happened beforehand. Right. So when he, so bring it back to King Von, when he does Crazy Story one, two, and three, you already know one and two. You're following along with the story, and he's telling such a good story. You like, man, this this popping, rolling on to my number two. Like, King Von was a good one, but I'm about to blow you out of the water with my number two. Bruh, it's kind of unfair for me to bring this person up, but Meg Thee Stallion, bruh. We there, though. Bruh, she's only been out, like, three two years. Two, three years. Two. It depends on how you want to slice oh, three. it. Yeah, three. Because you got, you got Make It Hot, and T- Tina Snow is my favorite shit that she never dropped. Which is three years ago. Yeah. Like, so I that's better, that's ago, better than so. Fever and all that shit. And the thing about her that makes her so hard to me is that she doesn't give up any of her femininity to be a dope rapper. I tell guys all the time, if you don't like Meg, you're just sexist. Like, that's just that's okay, but you live with that and you say that. Just know it. Just know that you're sexist. Yeah. So the thing that she does that's so dope, one, she gives us great punchlines after punchline after punchline. She gives like running through your house like I'm Tomb Raider. Soon as she said that shit, I said, God damn, bro, that is a hard. And that was the uh, pre-bar before, because the real bar was uh, pass around a nigga like a hot potato. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the actual punchline. But it's like, damn, for her to put those two things together was so hard. And she just continuously do it. Like, we've seen her on track after track after track after track. And I'm just amazed with her consistency and quality is there. We don't have to say she's a star because it's obvious. Well, it's like I told you, she's, we've had that conversation personally where I was like, she's the female Pimp C. But if he could rap just a little bit better, mm-hmm. like, you know, if Bun B and Pimp C had a baby and it was a girl, you got her. And what I mean is substance, character, cadence, repeat. Mm-hmm. All over, you know. Uh, I'm proud to see a woman actually have that. Uh, right. Well, we got Nikki. We got Nikki in that same kind of response, but then Nikki became commercial. Would it be in a Southern artist that could do something like that? Man, it makes you so proud. You know right. what I mean? And it makes you feel more comfortable seeing someone give a fuck about their lyrics, but also making sure the South is represented the correct way. Let me get my third. And I think that uh, everybody's going to agree on this one. If you don't, I don't know who you are. Lil Baby. Bah. Lil Baby has put more than just music out. He has put consistency in his work ethic. Mm -hmm. He has cared about his lyrics from when he started from That's My Dog all the way to songs like Born in a Foreign. She said, hey, I can't remember the name of the song. But I know that made me understand he gives a fuck. Mm -hmm. He did what Lil Wayne tried to do at 16, but just hit a different kind of gas pedal. Mm -hmm. And I think he did that real fast for a reason because he had to catch up. Right. You know, Wayne did it at 9. He did it at 20. Now look at him today. Right. I feel like 
honestly, I, I look at things sometimes like the music you put out. Sometimes you got to look at it as a time capsule because yeah. it has the potential to live forever. And I feel like when he did Bigger Picture, when I say bigger, literally, like he's saying Bigger Picture, but it's bigger than it just helped him. I honestly, and I will die on this hill, it is this generation's Brenda's Got a Baby. It was so important at the time in which he did it. It was so impactful. It was so on point. Everything about that song, about everything. I didn't even know at that time that that's what I needed to hear. And he kidded so fucking on the money because you're always going to remember your feeling. Let me tell you why I felt like it helped him. It's not to say I don't agree with that part. The scripture where I'm coming from is when you started making kids that six to 15 years old pay attention, mm-hmm. you may have not actually grabbed them for your full catalog. But what you did was if they feel something because they're scared, they're in fear of certain things. Uh, I could be honest, I my nephew sat there uh, he's scared of police officers. Mm-hmm. He's not the biggest little baby fan. But what happened when he made that song, he played it to me first. Mm-hmm. I mean, I listened to it already, but he played it like thinking he was giving me some game. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm already on there, boy. But it helped him grab the capacity of more youthful kids. Now, it's not the importance but it's the depth of knowing you're that guy now. Right. What are you going to do today? Right. You know, like, you're Lil Wayne's favorite artist. Mm-hmm. Lil Wayne tells people all the time, I don't listen to you. No, he's more He's more than Lil Wayne's favorite. I've seen, I've heard a but lot saying, of artists say. Well, I use him as an example because, well, yeah. you know, he's literally said, I don't care to listen to nobody. You know, I listen to my own music. I, I, I don't think anybody's never heard him not say that. Mm-hmm. But he brought him to his radio station and was like, man, you are my favorite guy right, right. now. Right. So the fact that you can get someone who doesn't listen to other peers say to you, hey, man, I'm listening to you, and then you're getting kids, you're that guy. What are you going to do with that position now? You are damn near GOAT. To close out the list, man, I got to go with my number three. I hate that, you know, we kind of went on little babies so early because I'm the, I'm the last leg, man. Yeah. And I got to give it up to my girl, bro. Like, I swear to you, I don't know why she's so, like, disrespected. And I'm only saying she's disrespected because she doesn't get the attention she deserves. Big Lotto, Mulatto, baby. Mulatto, let me tell you straight up. Like the city girls say, man, the whole better tighten up. Yeah. The whole better tighten yeah. up. Because that Mulatto is so fire. If you if you plan on being another female artist, especially from the South, mm. you better come with some shit because Mulatto is fire. She got the shit with Duke Deuce. Kirk smoked the double XL cipher. Uh, Muwap, her album, the same way we talked about Dolph, just a second ago, how niggas will come up to you and be like, hey, you heard that Rich Slade? Yeah. When she dropped her shit, that bitch was all over my timeline like, hey, Mulatto's fitting because mm. she rapping better than most niggas. Hey. I swear to you, your favorite female artist, if they see Milano coming down the sidewalk, better get her ass on the other side of the street. I ain't gonna lie, I don't have one. That's her. She is. Like, to be honest with you, man, I realized that show she was on, 
the rap game? Yeah, man. I don't think thinking about it up until now that helped her. Mm-hmm. You know why it helped her? Why? Cause she wasn't really forced to freestyle like she is now. Mm-hmm. Like that's why I said, like if you notice the way she was freestyling on that double XL shit, mm-hmm. she was the only one just going off. Like, when she threw that little fat Fabio line in, mm-hmm, yeah. she looked at him because she looked at him earlier looking at her. She went off of energy of another artist. There are not too many females that can rap that way. There's only two that we've known that's been goats, and that's Foxy Brown, Lil' Kim. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Those two females that I just named came under who? Biggie Smalls, Jay-Z. Mm-hmm. Now, regardless of how you feel of those two top artists, can you really just say... That they didn't come up on something that was in his greatness at that moment. Right. She didn't have none of that. She just looked at somebody and was like, yo, watch this. I feel like she has to overly prove herself time and time again. Like, people are kind of just now coming around. But it's wild to me because I feel like for the content that she puts out and the consistency and the frequency, like, that's another thing I look at. I look at like the frequency. So if you drop in some dope shit, because I mean, let's be for real. We put Nikki up at this big, you know, goat Mount Rushmore pinnacle situation. But we only do that because of what she's open doors for. Well, and she did a lot. And I'm, I swear to you, I'm not trying to discredit. I'm talking about she only did what, like three albums, like Pink Friday, the Pink Print, Queen, like. Yeah, we can't do and, that. And, it, and that's over like a damn near 10 year span yeah and i'm looking at mulatto like hey she ain't do nothing because she did like bitch from the south then she did a remix but i'm gonna tell you though what makes her special that record label that signed her knew exactly what they were doing Mm -hmm. they weren't expecting no numbers right then and there Mm -hmm. they got her for a couple albums i guarantee you that oh they they are you know why they did that because they know exactly what's going to happen in these next five years she's going to give you everything that Waka Flocka's mama got out of Nikki yep. before she went to cash money. And guess what they did? They said, let me snatch her up real quick, get those numbers real quick, before she start building labels, getting things where it's just under the table money and having you know some things with some LLCs and I ain't got no control of it. Let me get these couple albums out of her real quick. And then when she want to renegotiate, man, it's going to be powerful. Man, like I, I'm, She's I'm, already there. I don't hear females rapping like that, man. I don't. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a super mulatto fan. I say it to the day I die. But you said something earlier. You likened Lil Baby to Lil Wayne. Mm-hmm. And I be ha- I be walking around the house having these little arguments with myself all the time, right? Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to me because I thought about this and I think about this often. Lil Wayne is overly scrutinized today. Of course. And it's so upsetting being such a Lil Wayne fan because, you know, we grew up not only just grew up let me because that is disrespectful to him to say just grew up they're like no 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 it's more than grew up he defined music today he was out here dropping out mixtapes left and right it only propelled him to a status in which it's an ether it's an atmosphere that only a few can literally obtain and to see today people overly criticize him in my opinion but give somebody like jay-z a lot of leniency. They changed the narrative. Excuses. Excuses. Yeah. So, for example, like, 444 come out, right? Yeah. 
What I hear like, oh, that's the adult shit. That's the grown Jay Z. That's the that's this that's this grown man shit. Yeah. All I'm hearing is just excuse, excuse, excuse. Because this man just rapping about shit around his house that if you can't afford, you ain't gonna know, mm-hmm. and you just think that it's just the greatest shit ever. But then Lil Wayne drops shit. You sitting back with your arms crossed, and he's sitting out here giving you clever bars and punchlines. And just because they're not the Carter two. You want to say he done fell off? You know what I realized? Like, I mean, what is it going to be? Nah. Like, you, you uh, really, you really shifting the goalposts. Cause how you going to grow with Jay Z, but demand Lil Wayne to be damn two thousand and four? But you know what? I, I won't discredit that. In twenty four hours of existence of conversation with someone else, you know what I realized? Was it Lil Wayne is still under forty? So when you deal with Lil Wayne and you hear him rap. I'm not going to lie. People are very hard on him. He does not give you anything he wouldn't give you in the past. It's, I mean, it's very passionate, uh, thought out. I don't know. I, I think really Wayne is just like a natural rapper. Mm-hmm. I think when it comes up to him and J-Lo, I'm starting to understand, like, there's expectations with him. Mm-hmm. With Jay, Jay started rapping and made some at 26. Wayne was nine years old. Mm-hmm. The South is a different kind of territory when you want to be a rapper, right. not not just saying I got I can rap. Like you are a fucking rapper. Like you know what I'm saying. Like this man can throw some shit at you, and me, you, you know, our engineer, we we can appreciate that. But these kids ain't gonna understand, right? And when it comes up to Jay, man, Jay ain't no different than Oprah. <laughs> I like what you did there. See, this is what I feel about Jay. I feel like Jay is too big to fail. And what I feel like what Jay has, Jay is the first GOAT level rapper that we are watching get old. Because we see we got Biggie on the wall. We forever love Pac. Both of them got out of here early. He's the first rapper that we are seeing, honestly. You mean relevancy. No, not even just relevancy, like physically. Get old. We yeah. have, but like, because if we think about, like, don't even think about, like, how rappers retire and they kind of get no high, get tough. I mean, there's no retirement in my opinion either. Yeah. But when we talk about, like, Mount Rushmore, the GOAT status, Jay-Z, even though he's, I'm not a fan of him, even though he's been number three in the GOAT category, him and Nas, hip-hop genre is relatively young across the board with the other ones. Mm-hmm. So first rapper that we've seen Get some age on him. Get old. Lose a step. He's like Jordan with the Wizards. That level of slow down. And I honestly believe, this is my honest opinion, Jay-Z fans, I believe that they're so enthralled and so bought in to the old Jay-Z that if you ever say somebody else, like a Lil Wayne, like an Eminem, are coming up on his coattails, all you can do is overly criticize number two and three to protect your number one. Because Jay-Z ain't putting out shit like they are. Well, one, I'm going to say that Lil Wayne is putting out music more frequently than Jay-Z. I feel like we all can agree there. Mm-hmm. Eminem, not so much. He kind of go here and there. And I'm and I'm not even a huge Eminem fan, but I really honestly respect Eminem's talent. You don't have oh, to. No, you're, you're definitely 
I mean, I, I mean, whatever. Well, well fuck it. Whatever. I'll be yeah, an Eminem yeah, fan. Yeah, I don't yeah. care. Because I mean, like this, people like to say all M can do is rap words together. Well, why the fuck can't everybody do it? Obviously, it must be harder than we think. No, it's... Obviously, it must be harder than we think. It's about catching attention, though. Oh, God. Moving the goalpost again. No, I'm not moving the goalpost with you. It ain't. It can't be that damn easy. Catchy we can't get G Herbo to do it. We can't get Blueface to do it. That's like the fucking... Midwest Silk Soccer. No yeah. one wanted to hear that shit Whoa, for you, real. You shut your lying ass fucking mouth. Don't you Are ever you bring serious? no silk. Don't let me tell you. Bro. It's only a couple people that I super defend. And I know I'm on the dying hill on this one. But you shut your lying ass whore mouth when it comes to Silk the Soccer. Hey, don't get... Don't <laughs> I get, like silk. Look, don't get viral for no reason. Anyway, <laughs> I like fucking silk. Look, I'm going to say this, though. When it comes up to hoe, and it comes up to Wayne, the people who finally got Wayne at that little peak, you got to think, we didn't make Wayne when he started becoming lyrical. Mm-hmm. You know who did? Who was that? People who listened to Dipset. Oh, well, he was out there with L's. You know, we respected it. Yeah. Because like you said, you like this guy, Biggie. Right. You like Tupac. You like everything that fucking mattered. Mm-hmm. But we didn't make Wayne. Right. You know, when we made Wayne, we made Wayne acknowledgeable during Hot Boys era. Mm-hmm. We made him acknowledgeable when he was like, I don't cuss, but in this verse, man, fuck this world. I made a daughter in this world. Man. That shit mattered to us. Right. But you know what mattered to New York? Cash money, young money, motherfuck the other, other side. side. Niggas, if they want to fuck us. Homicide. That shit right yeah. there made us say, we got somebody. Right. And the Carter one, when we heard Go DJ, and then when we heard Birdman Jr., and all that, like, we had something to brag on, finally. Mm-hmm. You know, we had T.I., we had, you know, all those other guys, but when we talk about keeping up with real rappers, nah, bro, we didn't have that. Wait, now I gotta bring it up. I feel like that was only us, that wasn't even us. That was us letting New York know this shit been down here this whole time. Because just when we go back to the 90s... Bullshit, because we knew that when we had Outkast. But that's what I'm saying. When 95 Source Awards came around and, and Andre and 3000 got on that and bitch and said, the what? South got something to say, we, we already knew. We never had a Southern gangster rapper until Wayne got here. Name one other than Tip. But that's the what I'm talking about. I'm saying that we already knew. Yeah. They didn't want to accept us, but we fucking already knew. And it's kind of rolling over into, and it actually still goes on today. We know how powerful we are. We know how dope we are. Motherfuckers don't understand that in the South, we are actually musically inclined. We make something out of nothing. You go to New Orleans, you got them little kids out there with a turned over five-gallon bucket playing drums on that yeah. shit. That shit ain't no ain't by happenstance. When you listen to our music, it's deep-rooted in Christian gospel. That ain't by happenstance. When you go to producers, all the best producers come from the South. That ain't by happenstance. Well, guess what? We've been making great music well, time after time, guess, year after year, but hey, they don't want to listen. Bro, guess what? Everything starts here. Being black started here. Deep-rooted of being deep South was here. When them motherfuckers started moving up, they ran away because they knew what was going to happen. Right. You know what our peers, I mean our peers, I'm sorry, what happened to our family, they stayed here regardless if it was because it was luck or if it was something they would didn't have a chance to run away from or it was just simply they just wanted to fix this shit. Mm-hmm. We are the South. Right. 
That's why Andre said the South got something to say. Right. So when we got Lil Wayne, thank God for him. Mm-hmm. These kids ain't understanding it. But then they got a little baby, so thank God for that. Right. Now what we gonna do with it later? Cause we ain't gonna get that until another 15, 20 years. We gotta figure it out. Now and let me tell you the thing, like one guy, and I gotta always bring him up when I come because he's so overlooked and it hurts my soul because he's so talented. Big crit says it best. These other rappers won the geography lottery. Forever is a mighty long time. That bitch was the hottest album to come out, what, two years ago? Last year, two years ago? Whatever. But it's that he is making it from scratch. You understand that this man being in Mississippi, he doesn't have access to producers. Honestly, let's be for real. Our favorite rappers from Biggie to DMX, Jay-Z, all them motherfuckers had to do was just go out here and stand out here and rap, and they came and found them. You saw it in the Rough Rider Chronicles. Mm-hmm. DMX was just beating motherfuckers up all day and all night in the cypher. Crit can't do that shit. Crit and J. Cole, more talented than so many, but he won't, it's not, he will never, it's so sad, honestly, if you think about it, because he's not going to get the attention that he deserves. Because literally, he didn't win the geography lottery. He's producing his own shit. Everything that he has is so soulful. It's so well put together. It's so original. We, But we been realized that when we had 3-6 Mafia. They still trying to understand why, bro, 3-6 Mafia was not respected until the Oscars. And even still with that being in conversation, we still own that the South had something to say. Right. Like, yo, it's 30 years now. It's 30 years, bro. When it comes to... Cool Breeze. What happened to him? What happened to Cool Breeze? What happened to fucking... The, just the Dungeon family by itself? Going Organized you- Noise. I will die on the hill. The best producing group to ever come out of anywhere. Man, fuck the best producing group. They were the best sound that came from us. Line them up. Dallas Austin, you out of here. Pharrell, you off the here. Scott Storch, get the fuck out of here. Dr. Dre, you can get it too because Organized Noise is better than all these motherfuckers. No, no, you said Dallas Austin. Dallas Austin, he fired. I get where your whole point is. Yeah, the whole point is that the Dungeon family, if you watch, like let's say if you watch the Netflix series, The Art of Organized Noise. I've seen it and they still didn't describe it. They didn't get it. It's like, Future is from Dungeon, bruh. Like, it's in the South, being a Southerner, I'm from Huntsville, Alabama, born and raised. I feel like we always live from an underdog status. And we're, st- we're still seen as an underdog. Because even in the music industry right now, even though we're fired, even though that Drake constantly tells you that, hey, my dad was in Memphis. Memphis. Yeah. Hey, I spent some time in Houston. He understands that's where he kind of picked up the sound. No matter Lil Wayne being one of the top sellers ever, y'all feel it. They still treat the South as just like a fad. Because you get motherfuckers like Takashi 69 He come out here and make a couple songs. They shove it in your face like, New York back, New York back, New York back. They do that to us all the time. All the time. Before I even heard of Griselda, they all over the place. Because you got two things in this world. You got a point and you got a stance. A point is rooted in factual observation. You got a stance, which is a feeling-based bias. And their stance, because they're not making points, their stance is that the South music is just a fad. Because you feel it in the air. You feel as though Breakfast Club. Love, love the Breakfast Club is all cool and all dope. But why don't we have a Southern Breakfast Club with all the music coming from here? Why we don't have more Southern outlets? But I feel like... We, we define. Gotta, we, we define the music. But I'm going to say this. 
And I'm not going to stay on them long. You got to be careful with the Griselda shit. Why? Because they don't get respect from New York either. They don't. Well, they don't get respect from me either. You know? I mean, but that's fine. But see, if we're going to talk about respect to his identity, they don't get it. But okay, let me tell you. Like, let, let me qualify. Let me qualify. You know who they get respect from? But wait, hold on. Let me qualify before we go any further. I just don't like Griselda. Let's do that. Then. Like, I just don't like Griselda. I'm not saying that I don't understand why. Because, like this, I feel like you got two different levels. You can have somebody that you personally don't like. Well, uh, with your two points, that's why I had to make sure. Right. I personally yeah. don't like Jay Z. Right. I personally don't like Griselda, but I can understand how somebody else would. But somebody yeah. like, let's say, like Dave East, I don't like Dave East at all. I don't see why anybody oh, likes you him. Hurt my chest. You like Dave East? Fuck yeah. Dave East is garbage, bro. Man, crazy. At the end of the day, let's get into this conversation then. P Valley. Okay. What is your stance on what it represents for us? I feel like P Valley is so. I'm going to use the term important, but. Because one dope thing about P-Valley that I absolutely love and I love that they did this is that they made the music of P-Valley so centric to it. So I don't know if you follow P-Valley on Apple Music, but they have a pretty much live or living playlist. So when you watch an episode, the music like from um, Lil Murder, that's added to the playlist as the episode comes out. But it's so dope to watch a show focus on the music and Southern living so eloquently because what people don't understand about the greatness of P-Valley is that not only is it an reflection of Southern living, but it's also so well written and so well delivered. So I'm going to give you one of my favorite, one of my favorite scenes when Uncle Clifford is talking to Lil Murder. Mm-hmm. And Lil Murder tells Uncle Clifford, like, hey, you know, shit, let me take you out, this, that, and the third. Uncle Clifford looks at Lil Murder and basically asks him, like, where you gonna take me? The so-and-so, they caught them over at the Denny's or whatever, and they killed them. The so-and-so, they caught them over at this other spot, they killed them. Where you think you gonna take me? And in that scene, you hear Uncle Clifford tell Little Murder that he understands the dangerous lifestyle in which he's choosing to live. Right. He, and it's so impactful to me because he's kind of like Little Boy and our son and Little Murder, like, hey, you tiptoeing, like you you tiptoeing in this shit. I've been you know out living here. I've been living this lifestyle. You don't understand. Oh, it ain't what you think it is. It's real life dangerous out here. And in and all little murder can do is sit there and you see it is written all over his face that the level of like understanding that's just coming over him and the hurt. I mean, Uncle Clifford is not only being a gay man but being a gay man in the South. You know what I'm saying? We, we, like, I don't know exactly how to describe because I don't want to be a, a, offensive to anybody. Mm. But to be in the South, you understand, hey, the thin line around this bitch. I mean, be black and gay is like very offensive to the culture of being Southern by itself. And Uncle Clifford is outwardly doing that. And he knows 
the consequences of that lifestyle. He knows the risk that he's taking. And that's what P-Valley brings you. You are brought into that lifestyle, that situation from an outsider's perspective. Because there's people in fucking bumblefuck America that's watching this shit. And they're looking like, damn, that's what the fuck happened? I'm going to give you another thing. Single black mothers who have to give their kids away young. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mercedes. Yes. That was something that I don't know if people really paid attention to, but that is a scar with Southern black mothers. It's already been a known treatment to hospitals. It's like a a conversation that doesn't really get brought up a lot, but when people want kids and all that, they go to these 15, 16-year-old mothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, that wasn't necessarily the case because it was a family member, I guess, with this story plot. But well, it was her baby daddy had went on to another right. man and he had died. But, baby daddy had died. But this is something that happened. It's always something with mm-hmm. these young mothers being put in positions where they don't even know who they are. It's like it's a lost cause. Right. So, um, that's one of the things. And lastly, what I will say, and I'll let you have the next one. I'm going to let you kill it for what it's worth. The culture of being Southern, it's not easy. Right. Everything that we do, we still represent something. Right. I am a father of three kids, three different mothers. This ain't New York. I know I'm looked at it in a different way. Right. Just having one as a mother and seeing things, I'm wondering, you know, how they're going to basically, like, kill her. Like, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, for every day that she's doing something that's positive, I know they're going to kill her out ten times more. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I'm really substantial to the wake of what we're going to represent with this show. You know, Mississippi ain't nothing but Alabama. Alabama ain't nothing but Georgia. Right. We're not Florida. You know, Florida's a different part of us. People don't uh, understand. People understand that. They don't know the deep they south. Yeah, south, south right? They south don't understand west. that Florida ain't the deep yeah, south. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, that, that's a whole, it's a whole different conversation yeah. for a whole different day. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like this, this bell that we live by, bro. This show really is showing, and that's why it's so relatable. And I feel like the one another dope thing about P Valley, I feel like the same way people tuned into Game of Thrones. It was a lifestyle. It was something that they've never seen. Something they didn't understand. Because P Valley focuses on if you're from the South, you understand. Because if you think about it, the urban scene is defined by media. You right. get to love and hip hop that's in New York. You get power that's in New York. You get the LA and Snowfall and shit like that. We got all these shows that's in Atlanta. And you got. Greenleaf that's in Nashville, but they're all like super money. Memphis, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, Memphis. But what people don't, uh, Southerners understand is that shit, you ain't gotta get too far outside of Atlanta to get the goddamn Chuck <laughs> Yeah, It ain't motherfucking Those far. Cities exist. Nigga, when you go to Alabama, it's a long stretch between shit, Huntsville go, and Birmingham. Bro, you go to Chuck that's. All Alabama. You right, just exactly. get the rich side and you get the poverty Exactly. Side. You only got Huntsville, Birmingham, Montgomery, Tuscaloosa, and Mobile. Exactly. And all the bullshit in between is just like Chuck Exactly. When you get your ass over, don't stop your ass in Coleman, Alabama. 
And, and that's what I'm saying. It's like, yeah. and I feel like it's almost like Lovecraft Country in a sense where like the rest of America doesn't understand or they've never been honestly exposed to the true South. This is how the South is. Like these people exist. Like how Mercedes, her whole kind of like, I, I want to take identity is her working with the kids to get them back on track. Like, People in the South, there is something where that is their life goal. You look at power, you know, goals want to be the best drug dealer and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. You know, big as all the I nice mean, cars, the all the suits and shit. Yeah. Tyreek, you know, exactly, at the private school and shit like that. You they know, tie Tyreek into being the same person his father was. Exactly. But in the South, people don't understand that we don't want that shit. Like, there is a certain level of achieving comfort. That's what we want to achieve. I look at these New York because I be like, damn, you ain't got no yard to pull up to. Y'all ain't got no car. Man, you can't piss. You, like, you can't oh, piss God. off your yeah. goddamn back porch. Right. I can't relate to that shit. Exactly. I don't want that at all. You think just because you live in New York, you are because you live in these big cities that you live in high on the hog. Uh, no, you don't understand. We live in the, in the goddamn. We the gut. We the gut. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. you said. Like you, you ain't got nowhere for me to park my Silverado. You right. ain't got nowhere. We ain't got no conversation. Then it's like yo, if you look at how we do birthday parties, how we do open like barbecues and shit like that. Barbecues are dealt in New York as a neighborhood thing. Mm-hmm. Ours are immediate. Mm-hmm. It's like my man's here, you here, shit. You got kids? Tell them to come. I got right. kids too. You go to New York. It's a block party. It's Everybody is trying to figure out who lives in the neighborhood and has something to talk about to move court. And I ain't just saying that, just to say it. I've seen that shit. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I remember when I went to the Jay-Z concert, uh, 2012, mm-hmm. when he had did his five-day concert, and I remember they had a block party. And when we left, bro, we took the train, came back. I ain't never seen that many red cups on the street in the day of my life. Mm-hmm. Woke up the next day. Same red cups was all out there. We go on the uh, train, leave out, go Manhattan, you know, go shopping and stuff like that. All the cups was swept up by the time I came back. But it just made me realize how normalized it is. Right. You know what I mean? Like, when I was even going to uh, these places, I remember even looking like, damn, like, y'all ain't even tripping about cars hitting the back of the bumper and stuff. Like, it's like an everyday forced thing with them. So... What my point is, is this. You know like I do. If you get hit in the back of your car, the first thing you're like, man, let me get on my phone right now and call right. my insurance. Company. Right, right. You know, they are so just normalizing a certain lifestyle where there's no appreciation. Right. Like, I'll tell you the craziest thing that when I was up in uh, Baltimore, that let me tell you, if that light turned green and you don't goddamn hit the gas immediately, <sighs> they going to get the honking. And the crazy thing is, I was thinking, I was like, if your ass was in the South, you honk that horn at me. I'm nigga, getting out the car. Niggas going to get the busting in that yeah. shit. That is a huge That's sign of disrespect. That's yeah. rude as fuck. Yeah. Like, Southern hospitality is real. And it's crazy. When you get out the South, you realize, like, motherfuckers don't understand that yeah. shit. And, and the crazy thing is, it ain't even on no big rah-rah shit. We don't think we're the biggest. We don't it's think we're the baddest. It's just the, the, the It's just the decorum. Of, it's just the right. decorum exactly. in which we live by. Exactly. So, you give the other person the benefit of the doubt. You let them move. You know, mm-hmm. you treat others the way you want to be treated. So, and I just bring it all back to say, like, the South, 
treated as the underdog day in and day out. So, for example, like, you know, I, I used to work, you know, for the government. Mm-hmm. Well, I still work for the government. But anyway, I used to think, like, I'm pretty sure that people think we country dumb just because we talk this way. But I got two degrees. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, we were actually I like, mean, I'm right here, computer science. Like, we're actually rocket scientists and, and things like that. And it's funny because, like, I can tell that when we used to have to go do work with other entities that were outside of the South, there was a lot of second guessing and shit like that. Like, yeah, we talk like this, but don't worry about it. Like, we're just as smart as you. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's, it's different because I feel like a lot of entities kind of bring it all back to these other shows and these other artists that we look at. I feel like everybody has a strong underdog mentality. Everybody kind of feels as though they're always proving themselves they have to be bigger they have to be better they have to be stronger like people like big crit if you a crit fan you understand how often he's qualifying himself and he's always letting you know i'm making it from nothing i didn't get the opportunities i didn't get the nudge i didn't almost it's frustrating it's almost it's almost should be illegal the way that he has been looked over time after time after time, and he's just now getting the smidget of respect that he deserves. It is absolutely disgusting in my eyes. Let's end it this way. South got something to say. Look, man, we would like to thank you for coming to another episode of the Black Card Podcast. Man, we really wish y'all appreciated and just enjoyed what we had to say. One of the few things we feel like that we have of our own and our, 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 our efforts and we really want to stand 10 toes down behind the South. We want people to know that the Southern word, the Southern draw, everything about the South is valuable, is worth something. So, Jay, you know, tell them about where they can find you. Super Twitter, J underscore West 7. Uh, I will say this before I end it like this. Like I said, South got something to say. We're going to have something where we're going to keep making sure, regardless of how it stands, this is not just the beginning. This is not even the ending. This is forever. And as long as we got this spaceship, we're going to keep flying that shit. So, All right. And I'm your boy, Bird. Catch me at, at Bird the Builder, B Y R D T H E B U I L D E R on Twitter. Yes, sir. Appreciate you guys, man. It's all up. I'd like to thank you for listening to another episode of the Black Car Podcast. God bless.